Welcome to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. Our hope is that you are blessed and that your relationship with God continues to grow and flourish. The next voice that you'll hear will be that of Bishop Brown. Thank you for listening. And now, if you would stand with me, turn in your Bibles to the Luke, to the Gospel according to St. Luke, or as I like to call them, Dr. Luke, chapter 15. And if you would meet me in verse 8, Luke 15, verse 8. You don't have your scriptures, by all means, look on with your neighbor. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask now that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts. Allow us to behold wondrous things in your law. Respond in our own hearts to what you reveal then cause us to rush to put it into practice. We thank you for what you're going to do, even today through your word. In the name of Jesus, our Christ, we pray and praise you. Amen. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God. You may have your seats. We continue the theme entitled Leverage. Using your influence for good. Leverage. We we shared from this chapter last Sunday in the first of three parables from the lips of the master, Jesus Christ. Jesus shared these parables, not just in a vacuum and not just pulling them out of thin air, but he shared these parables in response to the attitude, atmosphere, and the the articulated uh, bitterness of the Pharisees and the scribes who took exception to the fact that Jesus attracted and welcomed sinners and tax tax collectors. Sinners and tax collectors, or as the text says, tax collectors and sinners. Uh, These, of course, were not high society people. Uh, They were not church people. They were, however, people beloved by Jesus Christ. And, 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 and that in and of itself excites me, that, that, that Jesus was so uh, anti-political correctness or anti-political correct that even though it was against the grain of those who were high and mighty, highfalutin, 
stuck-up people in his day, um, and even though their attitude was to look down upon those who were either on the bottom of the economic ladder or uh, those who attained their, their wealth through unsavory means, uh, the thieves, the prostitutes. Um, uh, if I call your name, don't say nothing. Just if I call your category, don't, don't just keep looking straight. Uh, we're not trying to call anybody out. Uh, I'm not trying to hit anybody, but I'm not trying to miss anybody. Amen. Um, you know, the, the, the drug addicted, um, the, 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 the ones who uh, may have walked away from their families, um, the ones who uh, may have had multiple families, um, anybody that we in our society are considered uh, outside of the, the, the mainstream of normality, um, the homosexual. Um, the, the multi-sexual, uh, or, or here's a new one I just learned about from somebody, the pansexual. Oh, you hadn't heard of that one? Well, just suffice to say, they love everybody. And I suppose everything. But Jesus loved them too. And just to make sure we understand how deep his love flows, he loves me. I'm telling you right now, if he loves me, there's not a person that, that is outside the scope of his love. And, 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 so, and so it's interesting because, because Jesus is welcoming these kinds of people to him. It is interesting that, that they even are attracted to Jesus Christ. I, I, I believe that, that when people experience and encounter authenticity, when they encounter real love, um, it, it draws people to a person. Amen. I'm, I'm so grateful that, that, that the person of Jesus Christ is so universal in his love that no one can escape it. Yeah, you think of the worst person you know. I mean, other than yourself, you think of the worst person that you know, that you've encountered, that it might be a family member, it might be a neighbor, it may be, I don't know who it is, but the worst person you know is deeply loved by Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm looking for somebody to bring a little more noise in this house uh, uh, because, because I cannot, as I've stated before, I cannot think about the lowest of the low uh, without thinking about me. I, I, I have to, I have to uh, acknowledge and admit and agree uh, that I, like Paul, even when I would do good, uh, evil is always knocking on my door. So, so, so I don't stand before you uh, as somebody that has arrived, uh, as somebody that has it all together, as somebody who does not slip and fall or even sometimes dive into sin. I thank God that things I used to do, I don't do as much. Places I used to go, I don't go as much. 
things I used to think. But anyway, so I'm getting to a point that Jesus' love is for everybody. It's not just for those of us who sit in these uh, 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 stained glass windowed, cushion pewed, uh, uh, you know, comfortable environment, but even the person who is right now on the street struggling to either get their next meal or their next hit of a rock, he loves them too. And, and, and the whole purpose, I believe, of Jesus saving the likes of me and you who are saved is not just so that we can get into heaven. That's, that's the low-hanging fruit there. Because Jesus says, where I am, there you will be also. So wherever Jesus is is where we're going to be. But, but, but even bigger than that, uh, it is the reality uh, that he wants to use us to go back and save some who were just like us. Who, who did Jesus, where did Jesus deliver you from? What did he deliver you from? Because wherever and whatever he delivered you from uh, is where he wants you to return and go in and go get the person uh, who is just like you. Mary Kay has a, I don't know if it's their official slogan or not, but, but I do know that they have this, this, um, this kind of mantra, if you will, at least they used to, that, that they are targeting every person that has skin. Every person that, anybody do Mary Kay? Yeah. Everybody that has skin is a candidate for Mary Kay. I think they borrowed that from Jesus. Because Jesus' thing is not so much everybody that has skin, but everybody that has sin. And it is not up to us to determine who is more qualified to experience the salvation of Jesus Christ. Fact about it, he saved us out of a certain context while we were in a context so that we can return to that context and use our relationships with them uh, to introduce them to Jesus Christ. My goodness. Um, therefore, Jesus is attracting all of these, as some would call them, lowlifes. And... The highfalutin church folk, if you will, the Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling and complaining. Isn't that interesting? That's like, that's like, that's like um, somebody hating on the mayor of the city of L.A. for trying to implement solutions for homeless people. How do you get angry? How do you, get, how do you grumble against somebody that is trying to bring help to the hopeless? How do you get mad at people who's trying to bring love to the unloved? And yet we have Pharisaic mindsets 
in our society, fact about it, I'm going to let you, I'm going to drop a bomb on you right now. If you don't get excited, if you are not passionate about sharing Christ, uh, then you are more a Pharisee uh, than a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't know what a Pharisee is, just take it from me. Uh, th that, that is perhaps the greatest insult that one could receive. But if saving souls does not ring your bell, then as they used to say, your clapper is broken. So now the Pharisees are grumbling about what Jesus is doing. And in response to that, Jesus doesn't say anything other than he gives these three parables. These three stories, if you will, because Jesus is a master storyteller. Fact about it, his preaching uh, is more one of telling stories than giving three points and a, and a poem. The, our preaching styles today uh, don't even uh, 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 resemble the way Jesus preached. He's a storyteller. That's why I'm telling a story. And, and, and he gives these three parables uh, one of which I gave last Sunday, which was the parable of the lost sheep. And in that parable, we learned something about Jesus' passion. He says, what man of you who has a hundred sheep and loses one does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the one. Now, that only makes sense to people who know the value of one sheep. Because I'm sure there was somebody who's thinking, well, if you still got 99, what's the big deal? It's a big deal when you understand the value of one sheep. And, and the value of one sheep is not what I even want to focus on right now because I'm trying to move to the second parable. But I need us to understand that to Jesus Christ, to lose one sheep uh, is one sheep too many. What, what if you were the one lost? What if you, or what about when you were the one lost? What if Jesus had said, you know what, I already got billions of sheep already. I can do without that one. Jesus says, if you have a hundred, you lose one. You, you leave the 99 to give your attention to pursuing the one. That mindset really, it really has to start flowing in, in and throughout our church. Because we often do church to satisfy the churched. Everything we do is for the edification and the enjoyment and the engagement of those who are already saved. What do we do that, that, that's designed specifically to attract those who were lost? I said were, who are lost. What, 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 do we, what do we give up? What personal preference 
Are we willing to, to put on the back burner so that uh, the, the, the preference of the person who does not know Jesus or at least the environment for the person who doesn't know Jesus is attractive to them? I remember Dr. E.V. Hill said, uh, uh, senior, said to some people in his church that um, who were complaining about maybe the style of music or the type of, of ministries and whatever, because he had kind of started designing stuff to be attractive to unchurched people. You know, unchurched peoples, they, they speak a different language. They don't understand all the hallelujahs and the, and the, and the, and the church jargon we use and know. They, 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 they don't even understand all of that. They come in just raw. You, you remember your raw, don't you? And so E.B. Hill said to the folk, he said, now, anybody ever know, know Dr. Hill? Yeah. Now, 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 now some of y'all, now, now some of y'all, uh, you, you've been saved long enough that you can limp on into heaven. And so, and so we're going we're gonna to set it up so that the person who does not know Jesus now, uh, now they will be attracted uh, at a whole different level. And beloved, I want to tell us something, that, that, that it is more like Christ uh, to have an environment uh, in terms of worship environment that, that absolutely honors and reverences our God, but at the same time uh, is user-friendly or seeker-friendly to those uh, who don't yet know him. We, we got to learn how maybe even to give up our good seats Stories told about a man, homeless, wandered into the church and uh, walked down the aisle trying to find a seat. And every pew he came to, it could have been this church, every pew he came to, the people slid over to the edge of the seat so as not to give him a place to sit. And he walked all the way from the back of the church down to the front, couldn't find any, any place to sit. And so he just sat on the floor. He stayed there for a while, felt uncomfortable, felt people looking at him and sneering at him and all of that, till finally he just got up and walked out, sat on the Steps of the church, crying, crying. And um, Jesus came and sat by him, cried with him. But then Jesus said, man, why, why are you crying? Why are you crying? He said, man, they won't let me in. They... They won't, they won't let me in inside. The, they won't let me in. Jesus said to him, well, look here, man. They won't let me in either. See, we say more about really how much we love Jesus, not by how much we say we love Jesus, but how much we love the ones that Jesus loved. Can I put it like this? Some single mother can help me with this. If you, if you dating a fella, 
Got quiet, didn't you? Yeah, because I'm about to talk. If you dating a fella and he doesn't love your child or your children, I wish y'all would finish the fill, in, fill, fill in the blank right there. If you dating a dude and the dude can't understand why you love and sacrifice and do all you do for your children and tries to minimize So, meanwhile, back at the ranch, he tells the story about the lost sheep. But then he transitions and starts dealing with this woman with a lost coin. I told my wife this morning, I said, you're going to find your way into an illustration today. Because one thing... One thing happens at my house every, almost every day, and certainly almost every Sunday. There is this frantic search. And then it'll stop me and say, have you seen my whatever it is? I'll say, no, I, I, I haven't seen it. And the search continues. So one thing I've learned about a sister who's lost something. They will pick the house up. To have me look under it. In other words, there is a built-in emotional attachment when a woman loses something of value to her. Not saying that that doesn't exist with a brother. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so watch this. Um, he says, or oh, what woman having ten silver coins? Ten coins represent um, a, 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 a dowry, thank you, a dowry for, for the time when she might get married. The dowry is the money that a wife brings to the marriage that becomes um, hers and hers alone. But it is, a, it is a symbol to let the husband know that she comes from a family that has invested in her. And depending on the, the amount of the dowry, really kind of illustrates the, the caliber of family she comes from. If you come from, if you bring a big, great dowry that is a lot of money or a lot of valuable stuff, then the husband knows, okay, she, 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 she comes with juice. She comes with, she comes with something, you know, she comes from a family that is well-to-do. I better make sure I, I take care. 
when she comes with a smaller dowry, it, it, it's an indication, watch this, that she may not come from a family of means, but she does come from a family uh, that loves her. As opposed to coming empty-handed. So, 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 so she understands now that obviously this woman comes from a meager family, financially speaking. The ten coins each are worth what is considered a day's wages. And uh, it is suggested by Hebrew uh, culture that she likely wore these coins in a headdress. Yeah, you know how y'all wear stuff on your head. Yeah, that didn't start with you. And somehow she lost one of the coins. Now, in the first parable, we're dealing with one of a hundred. In this parable, we're dealing with one of ten. And what Jesus is painting the, the, the constant picture of is that, is that <clears throat> the value of the one is being amplified or, or, or communicated in such a way that we now see, okay, this lost thing really means a lot to Jesus. Whether it's one out of a hundred or one out of ten or as we'll find in the following parable, one of two. Look, look, it doesn't matter what your ratio is, uh, he cares about you. Oh, my God. He cares about you. It doesn't matter that there are 6 billion people plus on the planet, I guess 7 billion now. Uh, Every one matters to the Lord. Oh, my God. If they matter to the Lord, why don't they matter to us? Why are we not concerned about what's happening in Gaza with tens of thousands dying? Why don't we care about what happened or happens in Rwanda or other African nations? Why don't we care about what happens in Guatemala or other places? Why don't we care about what's going on with the people of the world? Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if, or in the case of my wife, when she loses one coin, watch what she does. Does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently how long? Y'all remember until, don't you? Until she finds it. Let me me deal with this meat in the middle of this sandwich. The text says, Jesus says, this is what the woman will do. First thing she'll do is she will illuminate the environment. Being a woman who's on the poor end, 
of the spectrum. Her house was not elaborate. Uh, the poor of those days had houses that, that had minimal, if any, windows. There was no flip-to-switch as far as electricity is concerned. And so the only way you could see well enough if you're looking for something is you have to light a lamp. This takes me back to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. But then in another place, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So we are as Jesus is. We are light for, <laughs> for darkness. We are those of us who are born again, baptized believers, blended into the body of Christ. We are the light of the world. But he goes on in one of, one of those stories and says, now, if you're the light of the world, people who light a lamp, don't put the light under a bushel. But you know what the reality is? We got a bunch of bushel Christians. We've got a bunch of Christians who will shine bright among other bright lights. But your light is not as valuable when you're around other lights as it is when you're in darkness. And I've discovered that it don't take a whole lot of light when you're in darkness. Look, every night I got this same routine. My wife is a light sleeper. So, I tell y'all, and so, if I have to get up, if I don't want trouble, I can't turn on my lamp. So, what I have to do, I got to grope in the dark with this trying to make my way through this obstacle course. I'm, I'm stumping my toe. I'm, I'm doing all this stuff because I want to keep her comfortable. And, 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 but you know what? It gets the job done. You don't have to be the brightest light. Just be some light. Oh, I wish y'all would just... Just be some light. You know what I discovered about light? Light ain't never scared. You let it be dark as you want it to be, the light does not beg you not to turn it on because there's so much darkness. Light can't wait to confront some darkness. If we would but turn on a little light, matter of fact, you don't have to turn it on. Just be it. Just be who you are. 
Because if you're not willing to be who you are, you might not be who you say you are. You come in here and shout and jump and flip and stuff among other light. Trying to impress other light. No, why not go to the dark places and spaces, especially the ones that you've been in? You ain't got to stop going to the club. Just go with a different agenda. You ain't got to stop going to the concert or to the, to the, to the, you know where you used to go. The kickbacks and the, and the, and the. Go, because the only way some people will ever see any light is that you take light to them. That's what light is for. Light is not for other light. Light is for darkness. It's for darkness. But some of us are so afraid to be identified as light Because we still got enough darkness in us that we want to identify more with darkness than with light. She illuminates the environment, turns on the lamp. But then she improves the environment. You know what this lady does? She gets her broom. Anybody remember how to sweep? I mean, y'all got vacuums and she, she sweeps. She sweeps. And she sweeps because the floors of that day for a poor person was, was not hardwood. Nor was it wall-to-wall carpet. It was often a, a dirt floor. That, that had cracks and crevices. And so when she would sweep, she'd be sweeping and listening for the jingle jangle of the corn. You know how when you, when you sweep over something and, you gotta, and you're sweeping a corn, you can kind of hear the corn kind of jingle? That's what she was doing. And so, and so, um, and so she's, she's doing that, and the Bible says she did that for how long? Oh, come on, I need somebody that's reading the scripture. Until she, she found it. How long did Jesus look for you? Till he found you. Because very likely, you like me didn't respond to the first call. Y'all, y'all, y'all were them last call for alcohol kind of people. Y'all were the ones that they, that the club, they had to flicker the light on. You ain't got to go home, but you got to get up out of here. And that's okay, because guess what? He loves you too. But what does that, how does that inform us as to how we ought to be pursuing the loss that we know are lost? You ain't got to go, go around the world finding the loss. Look in your house. You left somebody at the house this morning that's lost. You left somebody in your hood this morning that's lost. You left some family member 
that, that you've been knowing all your life and know they've never professed a, 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 a connection to Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. They're going to die and you're going to die. And if you've accepted Christ, you're going to heaven. But you ain't going to see cuz in heaven. And I don't know if there's any truth to it, but I remember in, the, in, in, in another story that Jesus told where uh, Lazarus and Dives, um, they both died. Lazarus was poor. Dives was rich. Dives didn't do anything to help Lazarus. Finally, they both died. And Lazarus went to heaven and was in the bosom of Abraham. Dives went straight to hell. And Lazarus could look down upon <laughs> Looked down on, on Dives and he saw him down there, but Dives could look up to heaven and saw him up there. My point is, what must it feel like to see somebody that you had leverage with, that you did not use your leverage to get them saved? What must that feel like to look down and see your, 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 your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, your friends, your best friend, down in heaven? I'm, I'm sorry, down in hell, and you up in heaven. What, can you imagine what that feels like? One last story, and we're done friend of mine, my brother in ministry, in fact, pastors in Galveston, Texas. I'm sure I've told this before, but I'm going to tell it again. He and his best friend, they were from Shreveport, Louisiana, and they played football in high school. They, they also uh, played football at Texas Southern University, best HBCU on the planet. Um, uh, oh, now y'all want to make noise in church. Y'all couldn't say amen or none of that, but I anyway. Anyway, my friend, my brother in ministry, someone had shared Christ with him. And, uh, man, he was so excited. Someone shared Christ with him. I'm, sa I'm saved now. And, uh, and this is the story as he's told it. And, uh, and he was so excited that, that he went back to his dorm where he and his roommate, the best friend from Shreveport, he, he couldn't wait to tell his best friend. He said he went back and told his best friend, uh, man, I got saved today, and I want to share with you what was shared with me. I want to share Christ with you. And the best friend said, oh, man, I've been saved. I know Jesus. I accepted him as my Savior back a long time ago. And my friend said, wait a minute. You knew I wasn't saved. You knew that I wasn't saved. And we're best friends. We both have proclaimed that, professed that. You knew I wasn't saved. You knew you were saved. And you never even brought the subject up to me. How many best friends you got? That's on their way to hell. How many, how, many, how many family members you have that maybe you don't know that they're going to hell, but you don't know that they're going to heaven. 
Bottom line, you don't know either way. Let me tell you something. Time is winding up. I just had a classmate Friday. My high school classmate, we went to junior high and high school, just found out she died Friday. Fortunately, I, I'm, I'm Facebook friends with her, and I've seen her make posts at least indicating that she knew Jesus. But who, have, who do you have access to? Who has God given you leverage with that you've not utilized that leverage for good, for God? You don't want the smoke of going to heaven and seeing your friend, your loved one, your lover in hell. Because eternity is a long time to live with that. So friends, listen. These parables are designed to teach us how passionate Jesus is about the lost. And we cannot adequately or accurately articulate our love for Jesus if we don't also have a love for the ones that he loves. It ain't been that long ago that you've been saved, that you forgot what he saved you from. I see so many nice, smiling faces and dressed immaculately and sweet and all of that, but you ain't always been that. My, 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 my maternal grandmother, Ganny, sweetest lump of sugar you would have ever met in your life. Um... When I met Ganny, I think, I mean, when I was born, I think my grandmother was probably 40-something. So she had already gone through the, you know, the, the hard stuff of life. She had already made the bad decisions, all that kind of stuff. By the time I met her, she was sold out for Christ. She would shout every, all, every Sunday, tatter church up, shouting. She was uh, just sweet and all of that. And, 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 but then sometime when I've talked to my mother, in so many words, my mother would say, well, now, the Ganny you know is not the Laura I grew up with. And I'm, sem I'm saying that to say this. All of us come from some dirt. Let's go back to when we were hopeless and helpless and felt loveless. And let's use our leverage to win souls to Christ. We're going to do it. We're going to do some things together collectively. We're going out into the community to take this food, to take these clothes and all of that. I want everybody to be a part of that. Because it's good to do stuff collectively, but you got to learn how to do some stuff individually. Now, let me scratch that. Because when you do it for the Lord, you're never by yourself. Jesus said, Matthew 28, go therefore and do what? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe 
all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you. How long? Always. Can we make a commitment to using our leverage for good? Come on, let's give God a hand of praise. Everybody standing. Don't know where this sermon found you, meet you, but I trust that it made you uncomfortable. I trust that it made you a little uneasy. Because we'll, we'll never be compelled to do the Lord's work comfortably. It is when we are uncomfortable with, with ourselves, when we are uncomfortable in our comfort zone, that we're willing to step out. And even though we don't know all we think we need to know, that we simply share the good news of Jesus Christ with our friends, relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors. What you will discover, if you've never done it before, you will discover that the Spirit of God will lead you now, to be sure, it's, it's helpful to be trained on how to do it. And we're going to have some opportunities where we'll train everybody how to share Christ. But, you know, I don't know about you. I'm not a movie critic. I'm not a, I'm not a restaurant critic. But I've referred people to go see certain movies. And I've referred people to certain restaurants. In other words, I've recommended things to people where I was not an expert in the field. I just know what it did for me. Somebody ain't caught what I'm talking about yet. Listen, if you have had an experience with Jesus Christ, if you've experienced the love and the joy and the peace that comes with Jesus, you already have enough to know to share that with somebody else. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to know the Bible from kiver to kiver. Just talk about what he's done for you. You talk about the guy or the girl that came into your life. It gets, it gets quiet in here quite frequently, does it not? So as an example, I believe there's somebody here right now today that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not a bad person because you don't have a relationship. You're just a person that if you die right now, you will end up in hell. That's not God's desire. That's certainly not my desire. But you can do something about it. And what you can do about it is to acknowledge <laughs> that either you know you're unsaved or you don't know. I think not knowing is worse than knowing that you're going to the wrong place. If you're not sure, as to where you will spend eternity. Here is your opportunity today, right here, right now. And I'm not God, so I'm not trying to predict the future, but I do know this. This could be your last opportunity. It could be. Eliminate any doubt by simply acknowledging, Pastor Brown, you know what? That makes sense. And since I'm here and I have this opportunity, I want to know how I can be sure that I'm saved. 
I don't want any doubt. I don't want to go another further wondering what will happen to me once I die. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, responsibility that you've given us. And Father, there may yet be people here that's unsaved or unsure. So even before the setting of the sun, Lord, would you give them the courage to acknowledge where they are? And Father, I pray that I or somebody else would be in close enough proximity that can share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because we know that your will is that none would perish. So God, we just want to do our part to be a witness and a light. In the name of Jesus, our Christ, we pray and praise you. Let the people of God shout amen. Come on now. Thank you for listening to Real Talk with Bishop Brown. We hope that you were blessed. If you would like to accept Christ, join our church, help continue the work we are doing in our ministries, watch live on Sundays, find us on social media, or give online, you can visit the link in the episode description. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Thank you.